Um, I want to just uh, open with a word of prayer and a scripture, and then I'm going to introduce our guest speaker that we're very happy and excited to have with us today. Um, I want to read Isaiah 60, the first couple of verses. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you, and nations will come to your light. Lord, we just want to remember today our loved ones, people that belong to the RBM family, the body of Christ that are in areas of the country right now where deep darkness and natural disasters and evil are coming upon them. Lord, I pray for those that are in the midst of the fires in California and Oregon and Washington. And I pray, Lord, that even as destruction is going on, Lord, the fire of your Holy Spirit would be burning in your people, that you would protect your people, and that, Lord, you would bring many to salvation as they realize there is nothing in this earth they can trust in or put their lives, um, invest their lives in. All they have is you and the kingdom of God. So I pray out of this will come great light, Lord, even as darkness covers the earth, that the Lord will rise upon people that are going through this difficult time in the western United States. We also pray, Lord God, for our friends in Florida and especially Sanibel Island, Lord, people that belong to the RBM family, that you protect them, you protect their homes, and you just give them peace to just hunker down and know that they're under the shadow of your wings during this Hurricane Sally. So be with them, Lord, and help them to know that they are remembered today and they're not alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to um, not take up any more time because I want to introduce our guest, Reverend Dr. David Ford, um, who just told us he's a native Floridian and has been through many hurricanes in his life and spiritual hurricanes as well. He has much wisdom to share with us because of all that. And you are now in Charlottesville, Virginia. That's right. Dr. Ford, and um, you are, you've planted a church there, correct? Yes. And what's the name of your fellowship? Uh, it's called Mission Charlottesville. Mission Charlottesville. Mission Charlottesville. Amen. Well, we're glad to have you. Pastor David has been on many trips to Cuba with us. He loves Cuba and the people of Cuba. And we are, of course, praying for Cuba and praying that the the doors will open for us to soon go back there, hopefully in April. So welcome, um, Pastor David, and please just share with us what God's given you to share with us today. Okay. Thank you so much. Hey, good to be with everybody this morning. Uh, Greetings from Charlottesville, Virginia. This morning I want to share with you from God's Word, uh, from what is has become my favorite psalm, and that is Psalm 46. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you grab it and turn to that chapter. I'm going to be reading from the Revised Standard Version of the Bible this morning. And I'm going to just read through the psalm real quick. And then I want to walk through it with you verse by verse. So starting with verse one, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, 
though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her right early. The king, the nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I'm exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Now, Psalm 46 is my favorite psalm. And uh, the Lord has used Psalm 46 in my life in the past uh, several years in very deep ways to minister to me. And when it comes to Psalm 46, I'm, I'm in good company because this also happened to be the favorite psalm, uh, favorite, one of the favorite psalms of Martin Luther. Uh, it is referred to as by some scholars as Luther's psalm. And scholars are convinced that Psalm 46 inspired Luther to write his most famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And what historians tell us is that this psalm that Luther was so familiar with it gave to him comfort and courage. Um, in the year 1529 in Vienna, the city of Vienna was under siege by the armies of the Ottoman Empire. And that the armies of the Empire, Ottoman Empire were turned back and defeated. And it prevented them from going further into Western Europe and conquering all of Europe. And so Luther was holding on to Psalm 46 in the midst of all of that. And then after the armies were defeated and, and, and departed, Luther wrote, a mighty fortress is our God. Here, here, this first verse is a reminder. It says, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. And so in, uh, in one of the footnotes of the Spurgeon study Bible, it says this about Martin Luther and Psalm 46. I love this story. It says that, uh, that Luther used to say to his fellow Protestant reformer, Philip Melanchthon, he would say to him, Come, let us sing the 46th Psalm and let the devil do what he will. <laughs> it was Luther's way of saying, Amen, amen. He was rock solid in his confidence in the power and providential care of the living God. 
and of God's his his uh, power and providential care, not only to him, but to all of the covenant people of God in Christ. So remember, remember that story. Now look at verse one with me real quick. God is our refuge and strength. Now in the Amplified Bible, it puts it this way. God is our refuge and strength, mighty and impenetrable, a very present and well-proved help in trouble. An alternative reading uh, from the Hebrew for the word strength. God is our refuge and strength. An alternative for strength is strong tower. No wonder Luther uh, wrote, uh, our God is a mighty fortress. Now, the word God that's used here in that first verse, it is the Hebrew word Elohim. Share some thoughts with you about that, because this is the God who is our refuge and strength. That word Elohim, it... uh, it is the, the most common name used in Hebrew for God in the Old Testament. There's a website called uh, gotquestions.com, and there's a great article there about uh, the, the meaning of the name Elohim for God. That word occurs over just over 2,500 times in the Old Testament. And the basic meaning of the name Elohim is one of strength or power of effect. Now, here's the thing about Elohim. It is a uniplural noun. So it, it, it implies one, but more than one. And so it is grammatically plural and rather than singular. And A good understanding of this word is a plurality of majesty. Does this tip you off as to who this is talking about? You know, there's a saying that what is implicit in the Old Testament becomes explicit in the New. Who is this one who is our refuge and strength? It is the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Spirit. That's who this one is, who is our refuge and strength. And let me make real clear for anybody that may be listening today that that you are on the outside of the refuge and strength of the living God. And you know your strength is not enough for the living of life. Please hear me. There is only one way into the refuge and strength of God, and that is through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so this day, if you will embrace Jesus as your Savior, surrender your life to him as your Lord, you can enter into the refuge and strength of God. Now, the second part of that first verse says this. It says, 
a very present help in trouble. He can also say a well-proven help in trouble. God's got a good track record when it comes to helping his people, does he not? There's a story that was told about a man named Frederick Nolan. He was a missionary in northern Africa, and he became the uh, object of persecution, I think probably by Muslims. And one day uh, they were coming to capture him and uh, most likely to murder him. And so he was he was he was running from his persecutors. And as he uh, was running away from them, he came across a small cave. And he crawled inside of that cave. And while he was in that cave, before his persecutors arrived, a spider spun a web across the opening of that cave. And so the persecutors came. They saw his footprint go to the cave, but they saw the spider web and said, well, he couldn't possibly be in there. It must have been somebody else that went in that cave, and they left. And Frederick Nolan lived to tell the story. He knew that God was with him, and he said this as a result of that experience. He said, where God is, a spider's web is like a wall. Where God is not, a wall is like a spider's web. Hmm? I want to be in the refuge and strength of God. How about you? Amen. Now, listen to these verses, verses 2 to 3. Therefore, because we're in the refuge and strength of God, therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. Now, I, I had a, 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 a New Testament Greek professor in college, and he used to say this to us. He said, when you find a therefore in Scripture, you need to find out what it's there for. He says, therefore, we will not fear. Listen, do you know what command is given in the Bible more times than any other command? It is this. Fear not. Do not be afraid. That's a command of God given more times in the Bible than any other time, any other command. It's not a request. It's not a suggestion. It is a command. And listen, anytime God gives us a command, he will help us to obey his command. He will give us the grace, the grace of his spirit and his word not to fear. So there you have it. And notice this. It says, though the earth uh, should change, the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, its waters roar and foam. Though the mountains tremble with its torment. Listen, this, this, this world we live in right now, not only is humanity not as it ought to be, neither is the creation as it ought to be. God in the beginning did not intend his creation to be a source of death and destruction to humanity. But you see, when humanity fell into sin, it impacted the natural world. 
And so these things that we call natural disasters, that's not a good biblical way to refer to them. They are unnaturally natural disasters. But listen, when when Jesus comes and the children of God are revealed and and they are are become as they ought to be, then so will the creation. And there'll be no more death and destruction in that world, the world to come, the new world that is coming. It will be as it ought to be, just as we are as we ought to be in Christ. Listen to verse 4. Now, on the heels of verse 3 with the the earth and storms and all of that stuff happening. Listen to verse four. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the most high. Now, it's very natural to automatically think of the city of Jerusalem. And the river that's being referred to here is not a literal river of literal water. Uh, I've been to Jerusalem. There's no river of water flowing through Jerusalem. Uh, the, the Jordan River is 21 miles to the east of Jerusalem. There's no literal river of water flowing through Jerusalem. So if it's not river, then what is it? It's a spiritual river. You know, in, in the Bible, there are images of river being used to talk about the Holy Spirit. And the city of God is who? It's the covenant people of God in Christ through whom Life, the Holy Spirit, is in and flowing through. Amen? Amen. Amen. You see these images of this in the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 47 about that river of life. This river of life, it did start flowing in Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago in, in the city of Jerusalem. But it doesn't just flow from Jerusalem. It flows from the throne of God. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verses uh, 37 through 39, he talked about uh, out of the believer's heart shall flow what? Rivers of living water. And he's clearly referring to the Holy Spirit there. And then there's that beautiful image. In Revelation chapter 22, of the river of life flowing through from the throne of God. We are the city of God in and through whom the river of life, the Holy Spirit is flowing. And Jesus said in John 14 that that spirit it will be with us and in us forever. So let the river flow. Amen. And may the river make us glad today to set our hearts and minds upon him. 
because uh, this world cannot satisfy. It cannot meet our deepest needs, but the Spirit can and will. Now, listen to this. It says, uh, God is in the midst of the city. The next verse. God is in the midst of the city. She shall not be moved. Or actually, it says God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her right early. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. <laughs> well, I already said that uh, that we are that city, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is dwelling within us. And here's good news. It says uh, that it shall not be moved. It means this, that God is the foundation of this city. He is the foundation of who we are. And because he is immovable, when the world shakes, when society is tottering and kingdoms are tottering, we don't have to. Why? Because we have received an unshakable kingdom that is going to stand when all the other kingdoms of this world collapse. Now, it, so keep, keep in mind, it says that, uh, says God will help it when the morning dawn, or as the revised standard version puts it, it says God will help her right early. Hmm? You know the old saying, right? It is darkest before the dawn. But God will come to help. When it seems perfect, God shows up and brings hope to his people. Now, you see this stark contrast, don't we, between the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High, whom God comes to help early, the contrast between that and the nations of the, the nations raving and the kingdoms tottering, and it says he utters his voice and the earth melts. Well, look around. The nations are raging. Kingdoms are tottering all around us. Why? Why? Because they're trying to build their kingdoms instead of the kingdom. What's the answer and the hope for the nations of the world? It's the kingdom of God. That's the hope. Would it not do all of the nations and the leaders of this world to humble themselves before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and follow Jesus' counsel when he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Mm. Well, all the nations and kingdoms of this world 
all of them have an expiration date. They all have a shelf life. They have a purpose in this world. And when they pursue the living God and the righteousness of God, then their life is extended, right? But when they turn their back on God, their shelf life gets shortened. So notice this. It says God utters his voice and and the earth melts. I don't know if you know this or not. In the Old Testament, the word melt or or derivative thereof appears in the Old Testament between 34 and 36 times, depending on what translation you read. In the New Testament, the word melt only appears one to two times, depending on what translation you read. And and where does it appear? It appears in Second Peter chapter 3. And it says this. It says the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The elements will be dissolved. Some translations say melt with fire and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved. And the elements, here it is, will melt with fire. Mm. But in accordance with this promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness is at home. Listen, when the ultimate meltdown comes, isn't it good to know that we are in the refuge of God in Christ? Amen. And that ultimate meltdown the Lord is going to bring back up out of that great meltdown, new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness shall dwell. Mm. Now listen to verse seven. I got to hurry. I'm running out of time here. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The word Lord there in the Hebrew is the most holy name for God, the most sacred name for God, and that is the Hebrew word Yahweh, from which we get the, 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 the understanding of God, the great I am, the great I am, the, the great I am of host is with us, and we are with him. The word host there, what's it referring to? It's referring to the angelic host of God. Isn't it good news to know not only is the great I am with us today in the midst of a pandemic and revolution that is being fomented in our nation and storms uh, around us in the midst of all of this. The great I am is with us. We are with him. And on top of that, the angelic host of the Lord are also with us. The book of Hebrews tells us, it says this, are not all angels spirits in the divine service sent to serve for the sake of those 
who are to inherit salvation. That's you and me. I don't know how many angels the Lord has, but I can tell you this. He has enough for you and me and every other human being on this earth. That they are with us. They are doing his bidding and they have our ultimate good in mind, just as God has our ultimate good in mind. Now, it says the God of Jacob is our refuge. And we already know how to get into that refuge and strength. Listen to verse 8. It says, come behold the works of the Lord. A uh, long time ago, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas said this. He says, the Bible is the book of God's word. And the creation is the book of God's works. Hmm. <laughs> what are the works of the Lord? You see his great works in the creation and the great work of salvation. We see his creation and you and I who are in Christ, we are new creations in Christ. So we see the works of the Lord and we who are in Christ, we also see that we are part of the great work of God, the great work of salvation. And it says, see what desolations he has wrought on the earth or brought on the earth. I guess the greatest known uh, desolation of the Lord in the Old Testament would be with Sodom and Gomorrah. Hmm. And uh, remember this, God never brings desolation until he absolutely has to. And he never does it without ample warning and plenty of opportunity to repent. You know something? I think not only is God uh, trying to get the attention of the whole world, God is trying to get the attention of America. America must have a great awakening rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm convinced if we don't know another great awakening, we're going to know great tragedy. Uh, Dr. Billy Graham, he wrote on July the 19th, 2012, these words. He said some years ago, my wife Ruth was reading a, the draft of a book I was writing. When she finished a section describing the terrible downward spiral of our nation's moral standards, and the idolatry of worshiping false gods such as technology and sex, she startled me by exclaiming, if God doesn't punish America, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm. My friends, we need a revival of repentance in America. Idolatry, immorality, and injustice. And we need to pray and work for great awakening. Amen. Amen. Here's the good news. Verse 9 says, he makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. The Old Testament prophets and the New Testament prophet in the book of Revelation foresaw and prophesied of the messianic age when the Messiah would come and reign that war will cease upon the earth. I long for that day, don't you? 
Verse 10, I love, here's my favorite verse. It says, verse, uh, in verse 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. I'm exalted in the earth. I'm, I'm exalted among the nations. I'm exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. Uh, in my home church in Florida, there's a, a big arch that spans the sanctuary over the chancel area. And across the top of that arch were these words, be still and know that I am God. Now, in, in the, in the Hebrew, that, that phrase about be still and know that I am God, the, the implication of it is, is to, to let go. Surrender it to me. Surrender yourself to me and, and whatever you, it is that is you're struggling with that's seeking to overwhelm you, surrender it to me. Be still and know that I am God. And then it says, I am exalted among the nations. I'm exalted in the earth. You know, um, Dr. Timothy Tennant, he, he wrote the following. And I want, I want to quote this real quick. And it, it tells us how, um, the, got my notes messed up here. How the Lord is being exalted today in the earth. And I'm quoting here. He says, we are living in the midst of the most dramatic rise of Christianity. The world has ever known. There is no historic precedent for the simultaneous rise of so many new vibrant strands of Christianity. Christianity is growing in Asia quite dramatically, while Korea is sometimes cited as the greatest example of vibrant Christianity in Asia. You should pay particular attention to what is happening in India and China as well. And did you know that there are more Christians today on the continent of Africa than any other continent in the world? Hmm. Listen, the Lord is being exalted in the nations and upon the earth. And it's just like Jesus said. He said, this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. Praise God. Now, the last verse. It echoes verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So I encourage you today, wherever you are, remember the great I am. That his angelic host is with us today and every day and forever. And that he is our refuge. So in closing, let me... Uh, Offer up this prayer for you and for all of us as uh, as uh, a closing prayer based on Psalm 46. So pray with me, would you? Lord, we thank you this day 
that you, the Lord of hosts, is with us. We remember your word. You are our refuge and strength. Therefore, we will not fear, but we will be still and know you are God. We thank you that you, the Lord of hosts, is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good to be with you today. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor David. Thank you for that word that encouraged us and Mm -hmm. um, reminded us that these are not suggestions or just good ideas. They are commands to not fear and to cease striving, to be still, to let go. So let us Mm -hmm. take that to heart and repent from where we have been giving into fear, from where we have been striving and trying to cope with everything in our own strength. It is only God that's our refuge and strength. So thank you for reminding us. Um, You're welcome. You're welcome. We love you. We bless you and Mary Lou and and just hope we will be seeing you soon. Hope so. God bless you. Have a good day. Correndo e olhando para trás 